From Marco Bellocchio, one of the masters of Italian cinema, comes his most personal film, Marks Can Wait, the story of a family mystery that has haunted him and his films. An official selection at the 59th New York Film Festival, the LA Times calls it illuminating, and Variety says it is frank, revealing, and profound. Marks Can Wait starts July 15th at the IFC Center, along with his classic films Fists, In the Pocket, and China is Near. More info at ifccenter.com. Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a programmer's preview of the 20th anniversary edition of the New York Asian Film Festival with executive director of NYAFF, Samuel Jameer, and NYAFF programmer David Willens. The two discussed the robust lineup of over 50 films, favorites from various countries, and more. The 20th anniversary edition of the New York Asian Film Festival kicks off this Friday, July 15th, and runs through July 31st. Explore the lineup, all-access passes, talks, and Q&As with filmmakers, and get tickets at filmlink.org slash NYAFF. All right, so I'm Sam Damier, the director of the New York Asian Film Festival. It's our 20th year, and I guess 21st edition. It's, very, it's a very confusing year. We're still a very big year for us, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh our coming our upcoming festival starting on july 15th and uh actually david is better at doing the intros than i am hey sure so i i'm david willens i'm one of the programmers at the new york asian film festival yeah as we like to affectionately call it uh yeah july 15th through july 31st we're at uh, film uh, at lincoln center and then the last weekend is at asia society um and yeah, as Sam said, 20 years. Wow, time flies. All kinds of craziness has happened. And this is like a better year with, it's like kind of our biggest and best yet, as you would hope. Uh, yeah, and you've actually, you've known the festival for longer than I have. So in, in this sense, you're almost more, uh, I think you should be the designated person to, to reflect upon 20 years of um, showing Asian films in um in new york because uh, i for me it's my 10th year being involved so technically you've been, you've been involved a little um not as long as i have in in a sense but longer as a as an audience member you started attending from year one right right Be before the actual the original uh, the first uh, edition of of new york asian film festival they did old school kung fu film festival um, and some other one-off things showing the Korean films and Johnny uh, Johnny Toe series, I think a Choi Hart series around this time. So the, I, I, you know, my love of Kung Fu <laughs> films, uh, I immediately picked up on that and saw what they were doing. And so, yeah, 2002 was the, the first edition and then it was called Asian Films Are Go. And then they quickly changed to New York Asian Film Festival. I have grown you know the first year was like 11 films and now we're up to 60 almost 70 films this year <laughs> so yeah over 70 films i think yeah more like well if we count the shorts for like something more like 100 films or something i don't know <laughs> uh, i'm not sure i mean um yeah so between 2000, 2002 when we started and now how do you see the difference i'm interviewing you that's funny <laughs> um you know in the beginning it was the whole thing was as wacky and um you know crazy and even shocking as possible and while that element is still exists i feel it's become way more refined and more appreciative of the aesthetics of cinema um it's still you know there's very much a mainstream appeal but there's also that art artistic and, and I think a lot of the fat from those, you know, the first era of the film festival has been trimmed off, to be honest. A lot of the fat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, I think it's a lot more refined. Um, and, 
you know, and it's also goes, you know, the medium is the message. It goes with the time. So it goes with what the output is and what we're seeing nowadays. Um, I think, you know, in the last several years, we brought back the comp, the jury competition and this year's competition is, I think it's probably the biggest one. We have what, eight films in competition? Yeah, um, I think uh, that's one of the part that I'm happy about in the programs that I'm not happy about others but uh, i think for the competition i'm glad we brought that back i think what we at some point they had a competition section but somehow it was too much of a pain to put together but you know you know me i yeah this year's competition you can really see the diversity you have um of course you have a film you know a film representing japan or and a film representing uh, korea and so forth but there's also Mongolia is represented uh, in, wait, Malaysia, right? Yeah. Uh, Thailand, I mean, all kinds of, you know, it, 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 you know, you're getting to see stories and, and ideas from all these different places that you, you know, you might never dreamed of. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to open with a Thai film this year and particularly a title from GDH. I think the, as a production company, they have a, a real identity and, uh, and uh, the, the quality of their output is very, uh, very reliable. The, the stuff that they, they, they have is, is always uh, great and, and a great fit for us. I mean, to me, uh, their films Fast and Feel Love, particularly this year, uh, that really represents the spirit of the festival, the type of films that we like showing. It's popular, it's very well produced. It has an appeal to a broad audience. I always insist on showing films that are accessible, that are, I wouldn't say easy, but you have to torture your brain over it. Uh, you know, like uh, it has a universal appeal. It, it's even though it's from Thailand to an extent, it couldn't happen outside of Thailand, but it could, it could also happen outside of Thailand. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I like that reconciliation between the two. The fact is very domestic. Uh, the acting, obviously, the the cast, some of the, a lot of the cultural references, and um, what he has to say also about uh, I don't know human relations. Like it's it's, a, it's also it's a rom com. So I mean, it's a romance. It's a comedy. There's a lot of uh, elements in it. This, it's a parody. It's also a very cinephile film, full of um, full of references to other Asian films or American films as well. So anyway, I'm getting on a. Oh no, so I'm trying what you're saying. Um, certainly, it has a broad appeal, universal appeal. Um, but what what I think makes it very much um, a New York Asian Film Festival selection is that it is a bit out of the box. It's a, it's a movie about a. A sport, it's a rom-com about a sports stacker. I mean, I barely was aware of sports stacking myself until I saw it. And I thought, how, you know, how do you take such a, a specific niche sport and turn it into this movie that, like you said, has so much, so many things to say about coming of age when, you know, you're 30, about true love, about, uh, you know, everyone. Yeah, focus on it. To me, it's a great introduction to what the New York Asian Film Festival is, because I think this is top-notch. It's a top-notch movie every day. Like the, the way Bad Genius was a few years ago, we opened in 2017 with Bad Genius uh, by Baz Pumpilia. Uh, and uh, I, I think these are great movies, but somehow they don't make it to the so-called uh, top tier of international film festivals. And I think that's where we have our role to play uh, because although these films aren't necessarily, aren't necessarily selected uh, by uh, certain type of festivals, let's just call it that, uh, I think, I think they, they need, um, uh, we, we have the space for it. We're quite, quite simply with a platform for it. And it shows perhaps at some level the deficiencies of some kind of, um, some of the cultural gatekeeping we have in America or, or in Europe, you know, there's a there's sort of a fetishism for long take cinema, uh, you know, ex a certain type of experiments with what we call now, you know, anyway, I'm not <laughs> pointing clearly in one direction, but uh, 
why not make a space for, for, the, for these films? I mean, these are fun films. Is fun a problem? And this is a really fun movie. And sometimes I feel like uh, it's, it's no longer a value somehow to have something that you just, you know, enjoy. It's not unsophisticated from a from an aesthetic point of view. It's it's chock full of, of film references. It's it comes from different places at the same time. It's it's quite layered too. Yeah, no, I think all the competition films are emblematic of like you said, of, of you know, of course they're in competition because the filmmaking is great. whatever, you know, way it is doing that. And like you said, uh um, Fast and Feel Love, very high production, mainstream looking. Uh, then you have something like uh, The Sales Girl, which kind of came out of nowhere, which is from Mongolia. Also, seasoned filmmaking, um, very original story, and also coming of age, and uh, playing with all kinds of ideas, you know, sexuality. In our competition, in our competition. I think this might be not to pat ourselves on the shoulder here, but this is probably our strongest competition um, uh, section. In years, we have Look At Me from Singapore, The Says Girls. Some of these films, you know, they should be in Toronto or something, you know. There's a, but at some level, I feel like programmers work for years. At some point, you become trapped in like just getting the big names, getting a Mike Takashi movie. And I love Mike Takashi, but you know you always go back to the same stuff and and what what i'm proud of this for this 20th anniversary edition um is that we didn't get lazy we really you know look for stuff i know it was a pain in the ass but we really dug up stuff and we were very you know uh we didn't say strict is not necessarily but strict yes but we you know we didn't take we didn't catch a break on this i mean looking for finding films like the mongolian the yeah the says girl sorry at Mongo, that film from mongolia it takes work we really seek stuff and i like that yeah i think this year we it was worth the effort i hope it's and i hope the audience agrees <laughs> you know yeah uh, and and i'll mention one more just because it's so original um, in many ways, um, is it Imagine Your? Um, oh, yes, yes. Gosh, that is a great film. We will, we, yeah, that is, yeah, go ahead, Ty. No, I just want to say it's, uh, you know, you go into it and it takes you a place where it takes you different places so quickly and you're not sure what's happening. And by the end of it, it all comes from full circle and you realize they're saying something extremely specific, but in such a um, um, almost surreal, you know, surreal way. Right. Uh, I, it's, really, I hope people get a chance to see see this. All the competition films, of course, but something like this, it's uh, you know, in many ways, it's much more out of the box. And um, like I said, I think that underlines. You know, we're looking for films that are stimulating aesthetically and entertaining, but also you know, have that original you know boldness to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. What else? Uh, what else do we want to highlight this year? Uh, I want to, you know, in it, I thought it's you know? very exciting. The some of the big, you know, the big crowd pleasing sort of situations. Um, you know, we were able to premiere Shin Ultraman, the new Ultraman, and um, you know, it sold out within an hour. Uh, but uh, yeah. You know, but uh, we're working on trying to get another show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're having another show. We, we didn't even announce it, but it's it's already sold. Uh, like I don't know, like halfway sold or something. Uh, uh, even though we didn't make it public, and it's an afternoon show as well. Yeah, Ultraman is. Uh, I think I guess it epitomizes our legacy. We like we still have this penchant for pop phenomenon. Pop phenomena <laughs> uh, like Ultraman, Kaiju Cinema, and Tok Toksatsu, and and so on, right? So that's we still keep this element. At the same time, we show films like The Says Girl. We really try and go after uh, films from areas that don't necessarily have a lot of films uh, in film festivals in general, and let alone 
in a theatrical circuit in America. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, with something like Shin Ultraman, it also really represents, uh, you know, like you said, a pop culture of Japan. And, and it's nice to see that it's getting updated and it's still strong. So, you know, like you said, people are going to identify Japan with kaiju and, and that kind of thing. Um, and we're getting, you know, one of our missions is to get you the best of current um, Asian cinema. But also from Japan, we have smaller, very, um, very independent original I, I, films like Grown Ups, for example, or uh, The Angry Sun, which is also in competition. Um, but then another banner film for our Japan lineup is Offbeat Cops, starring uh, the big star in Japan, uh, Abe, uh, Hiroshi, Hiroshi Abe who will be here for that. So that's super, that's a super landmark, exciting event. Probably one of my favorite film in our lineup this year. That's the one uh, when, uh, when I reviewed it, I was like, this is really an excellent film. Uh, that, yeah, it's a great performance. I think that's Abby at no time, you know, probably like, I don't know, Abby has been so many uh, fun, great movies. He's been, he was in a, Koreda Hirokazu uh, uh, film uh, after the storm. Uh, so on the one hand, he does um, he does great prestige cinema like uh, Koreda movie. He's done stuff like Termai Romaish. I can't I can't speak anymore. Uh, but um, so in many ways, I think having him at the festival sort of epitomizes the kind of work that we do. Try to embrace as wide a spectrum of stories as possible. And Offbeat Cops to me is a very moving film. I didn't, I, I think some of it, it's interesting because I, I, I'm guessing you, you did the, the, the write-up, uh, the description for it or- I don't think I did, I think Karen did. Oh, Karen did. So it's, it's interesting because we saw two different films. <laughs> you know, to me, it wasn't joyous at all. I, I think it's a, it's sort of a bitter piece about uh, coming terms of failure. I think it's a fascinating film. Uh, yeah, go ahead, sorry. I, I have to look at it again because I can't remember what I like which ones I wrote and which ones sometimes. So, oh, yeah, I know. which we might have collaborated, I can't remember, but go ahead, as you were saying. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, to me, it's definitely a highlight. I mean, it's, it's pretty close to sold out. It's not sold out already. Uh, but yeah, that's it's the kind of films when you review it, you go, you sit through dozens of films that are not necessarily terribly good. And you watch it, you're like, okay, uh, really interesting movie on so many levels, very moving. It really, it makes you think for a while and it's still fun to watch. Again, I think, uh, if we try to, uh, as an intro, as an introduction to the kind of work that we do, the kind of films we want to share with our audience and show in New York, I think that that really is it. Uh, there's, uh, there's a little bit of something for everyone, very accessible movie, but at the same time with a certain ambition in terms of what it's trying to say. Uh, it's by Eiji Uchida who most people, uh, most people, a lot of people would know from um, The Naked Director. On Netflix, yeah. The Netflix uh, show. Uh, he has some similarities in a sense. Well, he's, yes. uh, Abe's expressions alone are worth the price of admission. I, I really think, as you said, you know, he's a, a well-seasoned uh, actor. He's, you know, well, uh, multifaceted and in, in this film, he sort of, he starts off as a dirty, hairy type, and it's really great the way he, uh, he really doesn't get along with anyone. And then he has his own, uh, you know, he has his own uh, transformation. So. Um, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, as, as we've been saying, we're all over the map. Um, we have our usual suspects. We have the Japanese films. We have great Korean films. Um, the one that, 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 that hits me, in my gut the most is probably the girl on a bulldozer because it's just this woman is so rightfully angry at the world and she's not going to let them put her down very exciting uh, great performance yeah korea is probably as a country 
in terms of, yeah, that probably is in a way the most central part of our lineup, which makes sense in 2022. Yeah, we're still in the post-parasite, post-squid uh, game um, times or paradigm, I guess. And uh, not that we are following suit. I think we've always been ahead of the game when it comes to Korea. Uh, we brought Lee Jong-jae to New York uh, back in 2014 or 15 years before uh, the U.S. even knew he was a household name back in Korea. So we brought him for um, the face reader. We did, a, we did a, a small tribute retrospective to, he already had a seven years, seven, eight years ago, he already had a long career. He started off uh, quite a while ago. He had, uh, I remember watching him in that TV show, uh, The Sunglass or The Hourglass, depending on the translation. Where he plays this silent, sort of uh, shadowy figure. He doesn't have many lines in that. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm only seeing now about Ijongji, but um, well, we don't have any Ijongji films this year, sadly. But uh, I think yeah, for Korea, we're we're bringing some. Uh, I think uh, again to think about the nature of the festival. And our curatorial philosophy style. Uh, Korea is a good example of uh, our work throughout the years, particularly in recent years, in that uh, we're bringing some established talent, uh, big stars uh, that have long been in the, in the business of uh, storytelling, uh, like Liu uh, Sung-yong. With perhaps love, I think it's a fantastic uh, rom-com. It really is. It's a really wonderfully inclusive rom-com that's very funny and very touching. Uh, yeah. Right. So formally, it's it's sort of a, that's what Korea does well. They they tend to show they tend to use a lot of um, genre tropes. They work with a certain genre, rom-com, melodrama. For it's sort of you could argue the DNA of Korean, uh, Korean storytelling at some level or another, the intensity of uh, the expressions, expressing your anger, your, your, uh, at the fact that the world is not what it should be. That's the girl on the bulldozer and so on, but also these extremes of rage and passion and so on. I think that's one of the reasons why I think why Korean cinema is so popular these days, there's an immediate accessibility to it. You can be a kid from the Middle East, someone from Latin America, or, or, or in the US. Uh, now it's reaching the US, it's reached the US a few years ago, and, and Europe at the mainstream level, finally. I think Squid Game definitely made Korean uh, film culture and, and TV show culture, the, the K-drama phenomenon, mainstream. Right, uh, and the films we're showing are no, are, are no different. There's this uh, expressionism, this immediate accessibility. That's that's a word I like to use because I think it's a, it's a quality, uh, and it, it shows the ability of Koreans to just they have something to say that the world uh, want to hear, right? And you don't need to delve in the arcades of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, not that I have anything against this, but, you know, you, you know, like it's, it's, you have real human beings. You understand that uh, your the stepmother isn't a great person. You know, you have stories of, um, yeah. Anyway, I'm getting into a rant about it. But, no, but it, it's true that there, the Korean filmmakers do have an innate understanding of genre so much so that they can make films that follow those tropes, but still have something to say. You know, we're showing this excellent action film called The Killer, and you hear the title, and you're oh, like, yeah, you're obviously yeah, yeah. it's a genre picture, but there's so there's so many references to the genre itself, and 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 the production and the stunts and everything are top notch. So I think that you know, like you're saying, there's an artisanship, and and throughout our lineup, you have films that touch on different genres or just resolutely in that genre, but are saying things in like you're saying in their own um singular way uh you know we have this hilarious crime road movie called stellar a magical ride and that's alongside um oh yeah this is a really fun film that's uh, for our cancer night because you know we need a bit of humor to you know 
make exactly. this life livable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and it's alongside a very hard-boiled uh, gangster film called Hot-Blooded. Then there's another thriller next door, which is also comedic, but very scary in a way. Uh, and it's and that one also underlines these original ideas within genre. So I, yeah, I think that's very astute um, to mention that in 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 terms of Korean cinema. Um, you know, through the years we've seen very many original films from Korea as well as these incredible uh, genre pieces. So uh, yeah, it's a great it's a it's a great uh, lineup. Okay, not to pat ourselves on the shoulder. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I I. I you know, I'm very excited about all the films. Uh, you know, we, as curators, we want to play stuff that we want to see and we think people should see. So I think- uh, we, we certainly worked hard for it. Yeah. 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 What, are your what, what are your top five? So you, you were gonna say Girl on the Bulldozer. I'm sure, I know that it is. The Killer too, you think? I like The Killer a lot. I, I, the Sales Girl is definitely one of my tops. Um, I liked Mama Boy a, a lot. Um, and then now you, I, I, there's definitely, definitely some others. I mean, a lot of them really had special places in my heart. Like I said, imagine you're um, just because it really took me to a place I didn't expect. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely the, uh, definitely the Sales Girl and Girl and the Bulldozer. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. That's and good. Yeah, I love the killer. I can't wait to uh, to see our screening of it. Yeah, the the film will be uh, in theaters actually, uh, starting uh, well very soon. I forgot I forgot the date, but ours is a special screening since the actor yeah. and director and writer will be uh, will be coming to New York to uh, and, and and perhaps uh, love also. I'm sorry. And and perhaps love really. I thought I, that really impressed me. And and at the end of the selection process, I got to see the new film by um, I'm going to massacre her name. We showed her films before. Um, Jung Gaeyong. Ah, uh, Jung Gaeyong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Nothing Serious, which is also a really just a really fun uh, original. Again, I can't stay away from the word um, rom-com. Um, the, the the female protagonist is super sassy, and we know about my sassy girls, and uh, but she's got reason to be. So it's really it was really good. Yeah, they, uh, I agree that so these are um, yeah these are all uh, good films, and I hope the audience agrees uh, with our choice. Uh, and if they don't, well, that's too bad. We did our best and we're not algorithms. So people um, will have to endure our bad taste. Well, one thing I thought was really exciting this year was that we have a new partner, which is China China. I, I, that's the way I, I think they say it. Uh, Do they say it in the Italian way? What's that? I should have asked them. You, you, say, you, you seem to say it with somewhat of an Italian I'm saying because it looks like an Italian word to me, like cinecita, cinecita. Uh, yeah, yeah, cinecita, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, that's a great selection of films. I, I, I'm happy we have them on board. They're, they're young, very dynamic, very eclectic taste as well. Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're in touch with the. A little outhouse, a little more outhouse than maybe we are, but um, still very storytelling oriented. Yes. With an idea of cinema that's what well, I like to say over and over. <laughs> Maybe you guys are tired of hearing me say that, but yeah, I like an idea of a cinema that's com complete with great storytelling, uh, you know, elements of drama, photography, music, something that takes you somewhere. Well, you know. they, they, their selection also sort of crosses genres. You have a like a a crime mystery film. You also have the uh, an, an adventure film, um, one and one and four, sort of action adventure kind of thrillers right. elements. So uh, yeah, you know, you're you're right. There is some, you know, maybe some more art house leanings, but I think again, um, storytelling is key and um, engagement is happening. So right, that's yep. all for that. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. I've run out of juice. <laughs> is, there, is there anything else that you want to touch on? 
there's a lot, but I, I don't know. I'm still, you know, it's the thing, five days before the festival, there's so many logistical issues. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we really just scratched the surface. We didn't really even talk about Taiwan or Hong Kong or so forth. Um, yeah, and the Chinese selections, there's a lot to talk about as well. We have a few films from the Northeast. Uh, China is a very complex entity. I mean, in fact, we, we could, you know, you could do an entire, I mean, you have such a, we, such a thing as um, a national film showcase, you know, a Chinese film festival. And I try to discontinuish what we do from the work of uh, showcases or film festivals that focus exclusively on one country. I mean, to me, uh, over the years, one of the reasons I continue to do this is that uh, I, uh, for the reason I, I talked about at the beginning, I think there's a lot of films we watch for work or for fun uh, when we travel to other countries that I think needs to, we should share, needs, that I feel need to be shown uh, in, in, in America, in New York, right? that's where we live and uh, so I think we're feeling sort of a vacuum now you know for stuff like Fast and Feel Love or movies from countries that people don't necessarily think about uh, and when it comes to China you know there's this tendency to always show this stuff about how hard the conditions of labor are political stuff okay fine uh, but China I mean is it's a huge huge <laughs> it's tourism it's a massive country. So we have an interesting focus this year. Accidentally, I want to add about the, the, the culture of the Northeast. People from the Northeast, from Liaoning, they, they have their own, uh, their own specific uh, culture, accent, ways of behaving that aren't those of uh, people from the South, you know, around the Hong Kong area or, you know, like uh, around the Shanghai area. They, 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 the behavior is, is quite different. Right, so it's important for me to show the diversity and how uh, a lot of these cultures and therefore film cultures are not monolithic. You know, like we, we live in this era where we like to find shortcuts and simplify things a little bit. China is, is a little hard to, to summarize with one festival, yeah, even for its own, obviously for its own. Exactly. So I feel like, I mean, obviously in the past few years, there's been a lot of propaganda movies, there's uh, political efforts, sort of, a, yeah, um, at the same time, uh, cinema stays alive now. Uh, you, you have, um, and I hope the cinema selections reflect uh, that a little bit. You have, uh, we have a, what I like to call a winter western. Uh, uh, one and four in our competition sections. So, uh, um, yeah. Now, I would like to segue, oddly, to um, yeah. because uh, it's our 20th year, but it's also the 25th year of the, you know, uh, anniversary of the handover. Um, and to celebrate, we've got, you know, here's the thing. Hong Kong was a big impetus for the festival coming into existence because the, the founders oh. of the festival would meet at Chinatown cinemas and watch all the Hong Kong new movies in the 90s and so forth. Um, so we're celebrating this, these anniversaries with cl cl classic Hong Kong films like Overheard, which uh, is an incredible, um, it's exactly that, it's a, it's a surveillance cop procedure, procedural, police procedural. Um, and of Kung Fu Hustle and all these, you know, modern um, Hong Kong classics with new Hong Kong films. And it was funny how much comedy was really emerging as, as a salient theme in a way. Um, we have a couple of Chinese New Year films. One is called Chili Laugh Story, which is about making chili. That's one of my favorite. Yeah, that is a great film because you have, you have a lot of the old, old, they're not old, but uh, established talent from Hong Kong. Obviously, the region is going for a major transition, for lack of a better word. It is a time of crisis. I mean, what with the pandemic, 
and 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 so on and the film culture certainly has been impacted a lot a lot of folks have pronounced hong kong film uh, dead so like we shouldn't kid ourselves i mean it's it's true like that's it is as an industry they're facing uh substantial challenges it, uh, just, but yeah yeah Go ahead. i was gonna say what you're saying there i i almost forgot we're showing a film called um uh, oh shoot! Legendary, <laughs> the, legendary the, action. Legendary yeah, yeah. action, which is which is a, a, a an homage to wuxia and kung fu films. It is a drama um, that is talking about filmmaking and the love of filmmaking, and the whole film is dedicated to this idea of Hong Kong cinema. Viva Hong Kong cinema! We're here to stay. We got to bounce back, and that's very much the spirit of that film, and it, it's really quite uh, invigorating. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think in in uh, in certain times you need uh, something to cheer you up, and 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 then that that is part of what Hong Kong is doing. And I think these films are quite different, obviously, from the the genre fair that we used to, like the Milky Way days and so on. Uh, but there's still a spirit there. I think I like to see that as the resilience of uh, Hong Kong cinema. And there are new generations, and uh, it, I think it'd be easy to give up and be like, okay, you know. But these are the films that Hong Kongers want to watch, and I think uh, it, it's they have a particular flavor to them. And certainly, Chili Love Story, I think, is a great movie. This is uh, uh, there's really something there, and I think in terms of what we're showing from Hong Kong. What's really fascinating is, is uh, yeah, that determination to keep going, uh, to make something fun out of it, a situation that's not great between... And that theme the, in almost ongoing every... Pandemic. Sorry, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, Finding Bliss, that documentary that uh, Josie Ho is uh, producing and she'll be, uh, she'll be in New York to talk about in a few days, uh, I think Finding Bliss is part of the effort to see, to go somewhere else, to seek new frontiers, and and not just you know be sorry for yourself. The situation uh, in Hong Kong, the, the hardships. I think this is a very inspiring movie. Yeah, it's uh, a very interesting not, project. You know, not yeah, not letting uh, the odds. Um, not letting yourselves beat by, by the odds. So so I think it epitomizes to me, I, I use that word a lot today, but um, the, 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 uh, the state of the industry, what they're trying to do. And I think there's something very praiseworthy in there. And aesthetically, it's also, it's also quite interesting as a documentary. It's, uh, it's quite dynamic. Uh, something that I think a lot of Americans could connect with. The idea of well-being remain, this a lot of stuff about mental health in there about uh yeah living together finding and god knows that you know it's in, it's in our it's in the american constitution right the pursuit of happiness so it's interesting that for uh something that might seem you know hong certainly hong kongers live within a completely different cultural framework but again it goes back to what i said about uh universal appeal and producing making stories that are both very local, very domestic, uh, that belong to where the filmmakers are from and having an appeal to people from halfway across the world, right? So that's the case with uh, this documentary, Finding Bliss. I mean, beyond, uh, this is made like, it's a 14 hour flight away from us. And so, so it's interesting to see their preoccupations, how they match uh, what we, uh, they match ours in America, right? That's the pursuit of happiness, quite central to to American culture. I mean, it's, it's it seems like another thing, but being uh, being of European descent, I tell you, this is not something that could be written in the French Constitution. <laughs> you know, not to say that we don't want to be happy, but it's it's a pretty quintessential American idea, I believe. And to find that so central in a, in a Hong Kong movie. I think it's quite interesting. Yeah, in fact, I would I would argue this Finding Bliss theme runs throughout the Hong Kong lineup, the, the recent films we have. I'm glad we're also highlighting that we have there's new generations 
of filmmakers coming. I think one of the dangers when it comes to Hong Kong is, is to let yourself be trapped in nostalgia, you know, like, ah, oh, John Woo, and like, you know, those were the days. Uh, sure, I mean, this is great. We still need, that's why we're, going, we're looking both uh, over our shoulder, we're looking backwards and forward. I mean, certainly these are great films, but at some point, how many times are you going to tell the world how great John Woo's action films are, Milky Way, old school Kung Fu stuff? Yeah, this is fine, but something else is going on. And I think in, in, in that sense, we uh, there's a bit of an acrobatic act in the, the, the curation of the, the Hong Kong lineup in that we, we show the, the, the works of, uh, some are, are, are easy, easy to watch, but we show them on the big screen. We have this small retrospective of five of the best uh, films from Hong Kong over the past 25 years. It's a, exactly. it's a hard production. And, yeah, uh, the Hong Kong back family. to John Woo era. It goes to 1997 with Happy Together. And I think that's the oldest film we have. So it is very, and it is a very interesting, um, uh, parallel that we're drawing between the new and the not the as contrast. Classics, yeah. contrast. contrast. I think, yeah, I think more like a contrast. I think the, yeah. the, the preoccupation of that era were really commercial in the sense that so we tried to get a lot of people to watch some fun stuff. It was very apolitical. It's we lived in a world of fiction. Hong Kong doesn't have guns. I mean, and people know Kung Fu for sure, but like. You know, not everybody is kung fu fighting in Hong Kong. You know, I mean, of course, it's of course kung fu culture is 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 central to central. It's it's of paramount importance. They have, uh, and that's also one thing that I guess should be fixed in 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 terms of showing um, kung fu films in general. I always find it so detached from their context. Most of these stories are adaptations. Of, of novels and it seems like 50 60 years after the golden age of uh the the show brothers and so on we still seem to be completely divorced from the reality uh of their literary uh source it's a literary legacy as well and we transformed we transformed it into like this chop sucky sort of showcases i mean a lot of the people who wrote this were very literary and uh, anyway I'm, I'm going on the tension there uh, but what we the, the new generation of filmmakers they care about something completely different we see a lot of things about you know trying just trying to have a good life finding uh finding romance finding the one you love uh dealing with friendships in hard times uh and so on Right, so those are totally different preoccupation, and and certainly the contrast is 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 huge. It's traumatic. It's like a different industry now. Like there's been almost like a break, where Hong Kong filmmakers now go to go to Beijing, and they they continue to do what they're doing, but in Mandarin with uh, within certain formal constraints. Obviously, they have to deal with. Uh, uh, government approval and so on, uh, as do Hong Kong filmmakers, obviously, but there's now a widening gap between the past and, and the present. But I think there's hope, and, and uh, that's something uh, that I think, that I hope US audiences will appreciate, is uh, there's a lot, lot of hope in this film. I think we live in very dark times, uh, economic uncertainty, the war, pandemic is not over and so on. But all these films, the new ones we're showing, the new generations, they, they offer hope uh, through thick and thin, hope against the odds. I was gonna ask that, you- That is inspiring what, to me. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. ask you what you see as the most visible theme across all the films, not just Hong Kong or, or in Mongolia or whatever, but across all the films that we're showing. Oh gosh. Well, I think you Hong sort Kong, of articulated I mean, it just now. What, what you're saying about hope? You, you, so you're, you're kind of giving the answer to your own question, no? Well, no, I, I that's what I see, but uh, you answer me. <laughs> um, I don't know that there's a unifying message. People, you know, I do that work of uh, finding sponsors and so on, financial support for what we do. 
a huge chunk of what I do as the executive director, I have to look for money so that these shows are possible, which is not easy uh, because, you know, yeah, for many reasons, everyone who does fundraising know that's a very difficult job. But uh, oh, I want to say that, no, there, the theme is that there's no, <laughs> is well, that I'm, there's I'm, no I'm, theme I'm and it's hard to superimpose. Yeah. I'm not asking. Okay. I'm not asking a unifying theme. I'm asking the most visible themes that maybe are connected by the you know several films. The most recurring. Uh, obviously, there's well, there's themes of love and humanism across so many of the films. I think that's very visible. Um, but I, I don't know what else right. you're saying. Hope as well. Um, but then there's <laughs> these big budget, uh, crazy action films. I'm not sure what. what <laughs> You know, if there's a, a certain theme um, emerging from across their constellation. I don't think we need to, to see a particular theme. I, I could kind of see one. I mean, certainly, uh, I hope these films make you see Asia, Asian countries a different way. Asia is a fiction. I, I want to say that the theme is that there, there kind of is no, I mean, there are some similarities between us, how we uh, live together, eat, together and so on. And the sense of collectivity is quite different. I mean, for me that you see that in the Korean lineup and uh, you know, I'm Korean. So obviously so in a sense that's uh, something that's easier for me to see perhaps. Uh, but from the Korean films, there's this sense of uh, uh, you don't exist as this atom lost in the uh, universe of other atoms. Everything is a relation. You live in the world of molecule, it's molecular. Everyone is related to someone else. You're, you're always someone's father, son, lover. You have a responsibility to, towards another. I think if there's something Asian, perhaps, despite the massive differences, cultural, political, social, and so on, between, I don't know, Thailand, Mongolia, the country I barely know, to be honest, uh japan korea and so on indonesia we have a uh, an action film from from indonesia great movie thank you for selecting it by the way uh, david because you're the one who pushed for pre-man right so, yeah, yeah thank you uh the philippines and so on is that uh as i think as societies if there's something asian to this film it's really the sense of collective responsibility that we owe each other living together is hard <laughs> and uh we have to deal with it uh i think it's it's a i hope americans get that i think we live in times where uh, we're in a very fractured society it's like me 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 my rules like i don't care i'm not going to do what you say like and and it's this very easy super really offensive and terribly ignorant that i, I find difficult to deal with idea like oh Asians are very compliant I'm like God knows you are wrong you're so wrong and the, the origin and if 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 people knew I mean Koreas have this intense political sense you know that and you see that in girl on the bulldozer they're not going to take uh something that they feel is is wrong they, they you know this is a country that has more accountability political accountability they send, their, they send their president to jail. And that's not the first one. Many of their presidents went to jail. So but it, it shows it shows the, the power of more responsibility. You rise up, you do something, you owe each other uh, something. The sense of debt uh, cements the society and, and creates something quite special. I hope you can see it in in, in, in the film, and I hope, uh, I think there's a lesson to be to be taken there. Certainly in democracy, I mean, uh, for all its flaws, uh, Korea, for example, on the democracy index performs so much better than, than we do here. So there, there's something beyond the scope of, of film. I, and I think, I like to see what we do as important in that it's not just about sitting for two hours. If you, if you think really hard, Hopefully, there's something to be learned and to change you. Uh, that to me is important rather than, you know, sitting around, you know, oh, the cinematography is gorgeous. Or like, what a pretty film. Uh, I hope if you can see more than 
one or two films at the festival. It teaches you something about yourself, about how you live, and it, it transforms you a little, and perhaps make you a better person. For four years being European, I used to think of film as film. You watch film is film, art is art, life is life, you know, that whole art for art, art for art's art art sake ethos, right? Uh, you know, I think as a, having done 10 years, my 10th anniversary uh, during the festival, right? Uh, programming and later uh, managing the festival. I think that's something I've learned is that we're not, this is an ivory tower, uh, curator your work. It's it's deeply anchored in the reality of our times. To get these films, you have to go at great length sometimes. There's a lot of convincing, pitching, going to Asia and saying, no, it's worth showing the film, uh, convincing the Chinese, for example, the Chinese producers, you know, like even if it's not a theatrical, you need to show your film overseas. Sometimes telling others, no, our, our, our festival is worth showing your film at uh, in the first place for the first time here in New York and so on. So it's also it's also being a New York film, a New York based uh, fi uh, film festival, New York film event that is uh, quite central to the, the way at least I work. You know, I don't know if I'm being clear. Cool. I, I think, think we I, I talked about ten things at the same time. I think we really covered a lot. <laughs> Well, the festival will run from July 15th to July 31st at Film at Lincoln Center and Asia Society. Uh, we invite you to go to nyff.org for more information. We'll have a lot of filmmakers, as we talked about, the largest number of filmmakers we've ever received in New York. Uh, the festival would not be possible without uh, the generous support from the Korean Cultural Center in New York the Korean Foundation for International Cultural Exchange. Throughout the years, we've benefited from the support of the Hong Kong Economic and Trade Office in New York. Uh, Hong Kong is still the DNA of our festival and Korea is central to our efforts. We also want to thank the New York uh, Council on the Arts, uh, our new corporate sponsor, Fondstrat. Uh, they're very good friends of ours and have been immensely supportive this year. Uh, not only in terms of financial support, but introducing us to um, new people, new friends. I want to thank the Korean Film Council, also a long-time supporter. Uh, the JEC, the Expo 70 Fund uh, from Japan. Uh, the Taipei Cultural Center of Tico in New York. Shiseido Americas and Alex Partners. So without them, the festival would not be possible. And of course, the Cine Cine Film Festival organizers uh, and uh, the leadership at Asia Society for allowing us to go back uh, there. And obviously, uh, Film and Lincoln Center, we're on the same team. <laughs> there you go. See you at the movies. See you at the movies. <laughs>